0: Slate Church, it's so good to see you, whether you're tuning in live or you're watching on demand, we welcome you to Slate Church. My name is Brandon Richardson. I'm one of the lead pastors alongside my wife, Emma, and we pastor alongside the incredible Luke and Victoria Bedger. We're so glad that you would join us uh, here, uh, watching with us or watching later. If you're watching live right now, there's actually an invite button in the in the chat section that makes it really easy to invite people to our service right now. You might wanna check that out. If you haven't followed us on social media, make sure you're doing that. And listen, if you've never filled out a connect card or um, reached out to get connected with us, we'd encourage you to do that as well. There likely is a link in our chat or if you're watching on demand in the description uh, below this video. We'd love to connect with you because while it is great for you to tune in once, we would love to uh, do life with you Uh, right now during covid season and especially after so please fill out a connect card we've got an incredible uh morning or night or day whenever you're watching this uh set up for us and uh, you know it's been a heavy week in our world and we really believe that jesus christ is the hope for humanity so we're going to worship him we're going to hear an incredible message from pastor luke i'm really excited for it so why don't we pray and we're going to transition into worship God, thank you so much for today. Um, today is the day that you have made. God, we will rejoice and be glad in it. God, our, our hearts are heavy as we see what our world is going through right now. God, we pray that you would help us to be a part of the solution uh, to bringing your uh, your name and your life to everybody. Uh, Jesus, we thank you for who you are and we worship you now. In Jesus name. Amen.
1: Into the wild and don't be afraid. Run into wide open spaces, graces waiting for you. Dance like the weight has been lifted, graces waiting. Where the spirit of- Who can spin the world all around And hold me ever close Who can There's search the depths of through it all.
0: Amen. What an incredible time of worship. We're going to take some time right now to actually go through our prayer and praise reports uh, that have come in over this past week. These are real things that people are praying for in our church as well as real things that people are thanking God for in our church. If you would like to fill out a prayer or praise card, uh, make sure you go online at slatechurch.com slash prayer and you can actually uh, submit your prayer request there or your praise report. It's important to be thanking God during this time. As much as we have things to ask Him for, it's really important to thank Him for the things He's done as well. Today we're going to be praying for Philip healing on someone's body. We're praying that somebody is able to uh, fill their nights with more productive things and fill more of their time with God. We were praying for someone uh, uh, that the Lord would give someone bravery and free them from fear, OCD and nightmares. We're praying for continued motivation and productivity for someone in this season. We're praying for protection over someone as they return back to work in the dental field. And we're also praying over the racial injustices that are occurring, for racial equality and for God to work in the hearts of those filled with hatred. Hey, these are um, some really great praise, uh, praise reports, prayer requests, and we're gonna pray for them right now. Why don't we bow our heads uh, where we find ourselves? If you're believing in faith right now for these prayer requests that have come in, why don't you just reach out a hand towards the screen? And if you have a prayer request of your own, right where you're at right now, no matter how awkward it feels, why don't you just raise it or reach out your other hand in faith, symbolically saying, hey, God, I need you in this moment. Jesus, we thank you for who you are, we are thankful that you are all powerful. God, we thank you that you see uh, our human plight and you're not distant from it, but you're close to us. But God, you care deeply about the things that we're going through. God, for every person that has submitted a prayer request over this past week, whether it was read out today or not, God, we lift the prayer request up to you right now. And God, right now, we're in a we're in a season of COVID. We're also in a season of having conversations around, surrounding racism. And God, we are praying that you would meet us where we find ourselves God we do not have enough wisdom enough compassion enough empathy enough of anything that we need to actually bring uh, this world together under the name of Jesus but God you do and so we call upon your name right now to come and help us we pray this in Jesus name and everybody said amen amen hey why don't we thank God for some of the things that he's been doing in our community this past week. Someone is thankful for connect groups and virtual and a virtual community of support. Hey, a little plug to join a connect group. That's a great way to not lose community and not feel uh, isolated in this time. Someone is thankful for a job and financial provision in the season. That's amazing. Someone else is thankful for an impactful Zoom conversation they had with their co-workers about the recent racial injustices being brought to light. I love that. Someone is thankful for the healthy birth of their boss's baby girl. Someone is thankful that an experience they had is helping them get back uh, uh, in their spirit journey with God someone else is thankful that despite finding out they lost a good friend on Sunday they were able to watch a church service with their family this past Sunday for the first time in months which gave them strength to process their recent loss wow and we're gonna continue to pray for you as well and finally someone is thankful that they were able to see their sister after being three months apart. Hey, we've got so many things to thank God for. A reminder, make sure you're submitting those prayer requests and praise reports. We have prayer every single Thursday morning from 630 to 730. Um, the number of people tuning into that is climbing. You know, we have, we had over 80 people this past week praying alongside us. Listen, it costs you a little bit of sleep. If you're sleeping at that time, uh, make it the one day out of the week that you join us in prayer. And the way you do that is slatechurch.com slash prayer. We would love to pray with you every Thursday right now. Um, is a great time actually to remind ourselves that while we might have to be physically isolated from one another, it doesn't mean that we have to lose our church community. We have great things like connect groups for that. Um, But right now, actually, you could pull out your phone and send somebody a message. In in fact, I encourage you to do that right now. Uh, Why don't you pull out your phone, send a message to somebody, let them know that you're thinking of them. If you're watching in the morning, let them know, uh, hey, hey, good morning. If you're watching at night, hey, uh, good evening, Uh, just thinking about you, praying for you. Uh, Send her a message. Maybe you need to put a reminder you're in your phone for a meeting you know you need to have this week with somebody they've been on your mind or maybe you've been thinking about them I haven't seen so-and-so in a while Um, why don't you just um, write a reminder in your phone right now so that we make sure that we stay connected in this season if you're in a room with someone right now give them a fist bump something else that's appropriate I don't know what it is but uh, let's make sure that we're greeting one another because we don't have to be socially distant amidst being physically distant in this season All right, well, I'm I'm gonna throw it over to Pastor Victoria, who's gonna encourage us in our giving.
2: Hey, church, I'm excited to encourage us when it comes to our giving today. And to do that, I wanna read to you from a passage of scripture that is quite well known. Uh, It's from Luke uh, chapter 21, verse one to four, and it says, And he looked up. Jesus saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. I tell you the truth, he said, This poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put in all she had to live on. I love these verses as it reminds us that God looks at the heart behind our giving, not the size of our gift. I also love that it reminds us that we actually get to give in faith. This woman gave in faith, believing that God is her provider. The Bible also says that uh, faith as small as a mustard seed can move mountains. So I just want to encourage you today that when it comes to our giving to give in faith, As a church, we're very much still on mission in this season of doing church online. Our mission still is to see people far from God come into relationship with Him. So I just wanna encourage you today that when it comes to our giving today to give that in faith towards that mission, believing that there are still more people for us to reach. And we're not slowing down, but we are giving in faith, believing that we're gonna see multitudes of people come into relationship with Jesus. There's lots of different ways that you can give. It's gonna come up here on a a slide in just a little bit. Uh, But we just wanna thank you for your generosity Uh, Slate Church is an incredibly generous church and we are so excited that we get to to partner with you as we move forward the kingdom of God here in Waterloo Region. Why don't we pray for our giving today? God, I thank you so much that we we get to be generous. God, we thank you that we are blessed to be a blessing. I just pray over our giving today that you will just multiply that as we continue our mission of seeing people that are far from you come into relationship with you. In your name we pray, amen.
3: Hey, Slate Church. Hope you're doing well. It's good to see you. Thanks for tuning in to Church Online. My name is Jared. I'm one of the night pastors here at Slate. And one of the things that we've been doing in this season is actually taking time to highlight some of the stories and the testimonies of uh, God's goodness in people's lives. And so we've got a couple with us here today. Why don't you introduce yourselves?
4: We are Bryce and Janelle Bramhill, and this little guy is Quincy Matt Bramhill.
3: But how did you guys meet? What was a bit of your story and uh, how you guys actually got to know each other?
4: Well, we uh, we grew up about 10 minutes away from each other. Uh, never met though, and um, it was 2007. We were at a house party in Waterloo and bumped into each other, uh, and uh, the rest is history.
5: I kind of love that story, even because uh, I had like, traveled the world, been to like 30 countries, and somehow you still end up with the guy next door. And uh, just testimony even there of like how God just has a plan and has his timing for you to meet when you're meant to meet. And, yeah.
3: Wow. That's crazy. That's awesome. And now you guys have just recently become parents, which is incredible. Um, what, was, what was that journey like uh, towards parenthood for you?
5: Yeah, so we've been married for over 12 years and uh, we struggled with infertility for quite a long time. Um, we've prayed for this little guy for a very long time. Years of fertility tests and surgeries uh, led the doctors to conclude that, from having appendicitis when I was little, um, that we would really, basically, it would take a miracle for us to conceive. Um, and thankfully, we believe in a God of miracles. And so about this time last year, we met with a woman here in KW who God miraculously healed years ago. And she's dedicated her life to God's healing. And so we met with her, she prayed over us, and two months later, we were pregnant.
3: That's so incredible. What 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 was that? Like twelve years is a long time. What did that look like as you guys were wrestling with, you know, patience and and that question of God, are you ever gonna do this? You know, how did you guys? How did you deal with that?
4: Yeah, I mean, it was tough. There's no question. Um, it's, you know, it's frustrating. Um, it, it, a lot of questions like why. Um, but I think through it all, what we've really learned is that God wants you to be content in the state you're at, and. That's something that was a journey for us and I felt like we were just actually had gotten there um, before we got <laughs> pregnant maybe it's a little ironic maybe not but um, I think that was our lesson to be learned there is that you know what a baby's not gonna make you happy at the end of the day right it, it's your relationship with God being married is not gonna make you happy it's not money it's not it's, it's having a relationship with God and at the end of the day you got to learn to be content whatever state you're at so that was That was what we learned from that journey.
3: What's sort of changed in that? Like, has has anything changed? You know, you're talking about being content right before, um, you know, Quincy actually came. Like, has that adjusted in your relationship with God? Is anything different now than it was before? What does that look like now?
5: Yeah, I would say uh, we're beyond thankful for sure. Like, I think even once I was pregnant, like every night I would thank God like 20 times before I went to sleep. And, um, and even now, yeah, we are coming to tears. Um, yeah, even now, like every time you look at him, um, it's just something you actually, for so long thought you wouldn't have. I've always you know, thought that being thankful is, is number one, right? I think, you know, even in a season like, we're going through right now as a global um, community um, it's so important to always remember and be thankful for all the things that we do have and not focus on what we don't have
3: and how how would you encourage somebody maybe that's in their own season of waiting on god um you know whether that be for a relationship to heal or whatever that looks like just speaking from your season of of your own waiting on what god was going to do in your life
4: i would say to trust in god's timing looking back in our situation i think five years ago seven years ago ten years ago we weren't ready for a child and i think god's timing is perfect and we didn't know that at the time but he did and i think this was the perfect time for us to have a child and trusting in god's faithfulness and just learning to be content in uh, whatever god has given us
5: now that like i'm so excited for quincy's story and like we just love the opportunity to share this and and we'll keep telling his story for the rest of our lives because we so desire so many people to know how big god is and how real god is um through his little life so yeah we just pray that it will just continue to ripple for the rest of our lives like who god is because of his this little
3: miracle that's awesome Guys, thank you so much for uh, taking the time and just the vulnerability to share what God's done in your life. Um, I'm excited to see how it impacts the lives of other people in our church and encourages them and and lifts their heads. So thank you. Appreciate it.
4: Thank Thank you.
0: Wow, what an incredible testimony. And, you know, we've, as lead pastors, just been encouraged by the amount of people that are willing to share their story in this season. It's it's important to do this. In fact, uh, you know, in the Bible, it says, hey, have a testimony ready, because this is actually how we can speak of what Jesus is doing for us. You know, it's great that so many people have been impacted by Slate Church, but we're even more excited about how Jesus is impacting people in this season and, and way before this season. And so thank you for submitting your testimonies. If you want to share your story, why don't you uh, share it with with us at uh, Mystory at slatechurch.com and uh, you can email us and say, hey I, you know I, I would love to share my story and we would love uh, to um, uh, share your testimony with our church. Listen, if you've been following us for any time as a church, you'll know that uh, the best way to stay in touch with everything we have going on is going to our website. Uh, slatechurch.com or following us on social media at Slate Church. And uh, it's important to do these things. In fact, one of the things that is great to do is to turn on your notifications on each of these things, whether it be Instagram or Facebook or YouTube, because what that enables you to know is uh, is uh, if we're, we've changed anything, it lets you know immediately and it sends a notification to you uh, to let you know everything that's going on with our church. So if you haven't turned on notifications on these platforms, make sure you do that. If you don't know how to do that, A quick Google search will get you there. But we want want to make sure that you're in tune with everything that's happening uh, throughout our church throughout the week. Whether it's connect groups, which we are still having. Virtually, some of them have uh, moved every week for an hour. Some of them are every other week for an hour. But they're on Zoom. We're still meeting. Whether it be our prayer mornings or uh, leadership nights or that sort of thing. We want to make sure that you stay in tune with everything that's happening across our church because it's important stuff. It's important to stay connected in this season, all right? Well, I am really excited to hear this message. Uh, I know that this message in particular that Pastor Luke is about to speak has been birthed out of a lot of the stuff that God's been speaking to him and a lot of the conversations that we've been having as lead pastors together all throughout this past week. Listen, um, we're going to talk about justice today and I'm really excited to hear the message that God has placed on Pastor Luke's heart. So uh, while you get ready for the message, why don't you pull out your notebook? Why don't you um, pull out your phone, wherever you're going to write your notes and get ready. Have yourself, uh, yourself, in a posture to receive today. You know, if you're a parent, uh, maybe it's time to put on a show for the kids if they're running around. That's what we've got to do in our household. Or maybe you're distracted by something else you're doing right now. This is a really important message to just tune your focus into as we hear from God's word. I can turn it over to Pastor Luke. Well, hey church, I'm excited to be speaking to you today. And you know, this is a message
6: that I feel is really important. And it's one that I feel that God has put on my heart. So let's lean into what God wants to say to us today. And to begin, we're going to go right to scripture. So why don't we begin by turning in our Bibles to Matthew 22, verse 37 to 40. I'm going to read this. We're going to get into things today. It says this, Jesus replied, love the Lord, your God, with all your heart, with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and prophets hang on these two commandments. If you're taking notes today, why don't you go ahead and write down this title for the message. You can write down the title, Our Cultural Mandate. Our Cultural Mandate. Go ahead and write that down. And why don't you join me in prayer as we get into this. Father, we thank you so much for who you are. We thank you that you are good. We thank you that you are with us, that you are for us. Father, I just pray right now that you would speak to your people. Father, may this be your word to your people in this moment. We thank you for who you are and we thank you for your love for us. In your mighty name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. 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 Well, what's down in the well comes up in the bucket is a phrase that I use to start an Instagram post that I posted a a week ago now, actually. And it's one that I've been continuing to reflect on and, and turn over in my mind because it would seem that a bucket was lowered into the well of our society. And what came up in the bucket was injustice, intolerance and oppression. For some of you, this is obvious. You know this. You've seen this going on. You've seen this as being in the well of society for years, maybe your entire life. For others of you, maybe based on the events that have unfolded in the past couple of weeks, this is new for you. And perhaps you're seeing this oppression and injustice for the first time. You know, indeed, when the bucket is poured out in the form of a black man dying because a police officer has his knee on the man's neck, the response is understandable outrage. This bucket of racism and oppression has been poured out one too many times in our world. You know, as a church, we believe that justice and righteousness will prevail. Today, I want to speak to you about The power to be the kind of people that God places on solid ground to engage the demands of social justice in our world today. Jesus cared deeply about social causes around him. You know, even though we know this, Jesus loves everyone. In fact, he loves everyone so much that he died for the sins of all humanity. That is, everyone, we also see that Jesus went out of his way to help specific groups of people at specific times. Those who were facing injustice, those who were facing racism, those who were alienated and discriminated against, the Jew, the Gentile, the Samaritan, the woman, the leper, and on and on. So when we say Black Lives Matter as a church and as a society, and we participate in a movement that seeks justice and empowerment for those who are oppressed by racism, it is one of the most Christ-like things that we can possibly do. As Christians, we really need to face the fact that there are groups and communities facing oppression in our world, and we must act. We've got to be willing to address these systems and these institutions in our world that make these difficulties a reality for so many people on a day-to-day basis. And we can't just become spiritually lazy and offer up some more generic excuses as to why we can't help. You know, this message uh, is actually being recorded on a Thursday. A little behind the scenes for you. We record this message for Sunday. You're watching it on a Sunday or maybe after that, but we record it on a Sunday, which means just last night, uh, we had the opportunity as lead pastors and other leaders from our church to actually uh, march with thousands and thousands and thousands of people in our community in the KW Solidarity March, where we marched in support of the Black Lives Matter cause. It, uh, it was amazing to be able to stand together with so many citizens of KW. You know, I grew up in Kitchener-Waterloo. Um, I've lived in other places in the world. I've lived in Australia. I've lived in Sweden. But for me, Waterloo has always been home. You know, I've always considered this my city. This is, this is my city. This is where I grew up. This is, this is my place. This is my city. But growing up in my city, I never once had uh, to worry about the color of my skin here. I never once had to, had to consider the fact that uh, the, the, the skin simply the skin color I have uh, isn't something that I've ever in my life had to think about before. Never had to worry about it. But last night, listening to the stories of so many people of color who have had different experiences growing up in Kitchener-Waterloo, reminded me once again of the privilege that I possess. And really, it convicted me once more, as it has many times in my life, of the fact that I need to attach a purpose to my privilege. It's reminded that not everybody has been as lucky as I have been. But for those of you who are like me, I really want to encourage us. It's time that we give our privilege a purpose. And the purpose of that privilege is justice for the oppressed and the marginalized. For those of you who maybe haven't experienced the same type of privilege, I want you to know we stand with you. Now, I just want to throw out a disclaimer just at the beginning of this message. And I do want to say, this is a difficult message for me to speak. It's not easy to come at a time like this and deliver this type of message i'm not an expert on social justice i can't speak from my own experience of oppression but i do believe that as one of the lead pastors at slate church that we have a responsibility to bring a biblical understanding a biblical paradigm of justice to our church in a time where injustice unjust I- acts and oppression and oppressive acts are being outworked so often on a day-to-day basis around our world but also in our own backyard. So today I wanna do just that. I wanna bring a biblical paradigm of justice. And I, I hope, I pray, that coming out of this message, we might be better equipped to dismantle oppression wherever it is that we might see it happening. And so to begin, let's seek this biblical understanding of justice. How does the Bible even define justice? What is social justice anyways? You know, social justice, Is where our love for God is put into motion on the road of reality as we act to love others. Man named Doug Hammerquilt, he has this great quote where he says: The road to holiness necessarily passes through the world of action. A moment ago, We read a very, uh, very famous passage of scripture, Matthew 22, verse 37 to 40, where Jesus basically says, the greatest command is this, love God. And the second is like it, love your neighbor. You know, in Jesus' day, there were more than 600 commandments in the Jewish law. And Jesus consolidates all of this down into these two simple phrases, love God and love others. They're separate commandments, yes, but really they're inseparable. You know, we can't possibly love God without having a love for our neighbor as well. A love of God compels us to love our neighbor. But of course, that brings up a question of who is my neighbor anyways? Who, who is my neighbor? Is my neighbor the nice woman that I live beside? Victoria and I, we have an awesome neighbor. We love our neighbor. She's this wonderful, beautiful woman, and she's fantastic. And we're so thankful that we live beside her. She's got this amazing basset hound named Joey who runs around in the yard. And like, honestly, every time I see this dog, this dog makes me laugh. He is the best. Like, okay, Jesus, am I just supposed to love her as my neighbor? Who is my neighbor? I mean, yes, that is my neighbor, but that doesn't quite take it far enough. In fact, in Luke 10, verse 29, we actually see a young lawyer who asked God, who asked Jesus this exact question, who is my neighbor? You see, the common view of neighbor in Jesus' day was that your neighbor was your cultural equivalent, somebody who looked like you, somebody who talked like you, somebody who acted like you, somebody who came from the same socioeconomic status as you. They were the same class as you. This was a common idea of what your neighbor was in Jesus' time. But Jesus says, no, no, no. He responds to this man's question of who is my neighbor by telling a story. And he tells the now famous story of the good Samaritan. He says, a Samaritan, a Samaritan, by the way, at this time was absolutely So far from being the cultural equivalent of a Jewish person. In fact, if you even mentioned a Samaritan in the presence of a Jew, a Jewish person would would recoil in disgust. Uh, They couldn't stand the Samaritans. And Jesus answers this question of who is my neighbor by telling this story about the fact that there was a Jewish man who was beaten up and left for dead at the side of the road. And when the Jewish leaders, the Jewish religious leaders, even they passed by this man on the street and didn't offer him help. But then comes along a Samaritan. I can just imagine Jesus' audience at the time just being disgusted that Jesus would even mention a Samaritan in this story. I mean, he was really, really getting controversial here with this story. But Jesus says the Samaritan is the one who stopped and cared for and loved and nursed back to health and paid for the hotel stay of this Jewish person. That's your neighbor, Jesus says. Jesus shows us that our neighbor is the person who is near us, the person who needs help. There is no national heritage. There is no ethnic background. There is no racial origin. There is no class barrier or culture that can separate us from our neighbor. Now there are three uh, Hebrew words in scripture. That work to define justice. And I'm not going to spend too much time breaking them down for you right now. I don't have time for that, but I do want to give you an overview because I think they give us this great sense of justice as the Bible defines it. And so the the three words are this, mishpat, hesed, and shalom. Mishpat, hesed, and shalom. Mishpat is traditionally defined as justice as we might understand it today, but it can also be, in fact, it's used quite interchangeably in the Old Testament with the word righteousness. And so we have this word justice and righteousness. Righteousness meaning right living, living a morally upright life and that being considered as just living. So that is mishpat, the sense of justice and Righteousness. Then we have the second word, which is hesed, and it is translated as loving kindness, as justice being loving kindness. In fact, we see both of these terms used in Micah 6, verse 8, and I love this passage of scripture. It says, what does the Lord require of you? Maybe you're listening and tuning in right now, and you're wondering, God, what do you require of me? What do you require of me in this season? I love this. It says, to act justly, mishpat, and love mercy, hesed, and to walk humbly with your God. I love this view of justice, that biblical justice flows from a loving kindness towards other people, which inevitably leads to the third word, shalom. Shalom, of course, can be translated traditionally as peace. Many of us who have been in church for a while, we know that. But it can also mean a caring consideration of all people. It references unity. It references wholeness. And so we've got these three perspectives for understanding this Christian view, excuse me, this Christian view of social justice, that we pursue righteousness, moral living. We we do this and we show loving kindness and mercy to those around us that results in peace and wholeness and unity with others and with God. We must pursue righteousness, mishpat, through loving kindness, said that the world might experience the shalom, the peace, the wholeness, the unity, the love of Christ. And really, I think we see this outworked in such an incredible way in the book of Amos. You know, Amos, he was a pretty interesting guy. Amos was uh, an Old Testament prophet that God used in an absolutely incredible, incredible way. One thing that I love about Amos is that he had absolutely no credentials to his name. He wasn't some religious leader. He didn't have a PhD in theology. He didn't have any of this kind of stuff, but God used him anyways. In fact, Amos, he was a southerner living in the Middle East at the time. He was from a place called Tekoa in Judah, but he was sent north to Israel. He was a simple guy. He was a herdsman. He had what I think is one of the coolest Uh, positions, coolest job titles in all of scripture. He was the dresser of sycamore trees. I just think that's cool. I don't know exactly what it is, but I think it's awesome. But listen, he was basically a farmer. He was a gardener. God sent him to some of the most sophisticated cities in Israel at the time, to Samaria, to Bethel, to Gilgal. Here's this small town boy being sent to the big city. You know, from a human point of view, It's like, who is this guy? To come in and to minister to us, who is this guy to come and speak God's word to us? I, I mean, this guy's from no. This guy's from nowhere. This guy's from. Uh, this guy's from. Like, where even is Ticoa? Where where is that place? Like, this isn't even Elmira. This isn't even Listable, This is smaller. I don't know what that might be for you. I, I can't even name somewhere smaller than that. Maybe it's Wellesley. I don't know. And um, I, I can just imagine right now our executive pastor Ben Yancey shaking his head. Ben sort of is that small town boy moved to the big city to minister God's word to people. But listen, here he is. What what did Amos, what could Amos possibly bring? I'm thankful that uh, God looks more at the heart than he does our credentials. And I'm thankful that ministry and the ability to speak up for justice in our world isn't reliant upon letters that we would have beside our name or uh, any of those types of things. But we actually all can speak up for justice in our world. But Amos's message to these people was so simple. It was justice, justice, justice justice. This was his message through and through, justice. He could not believe the blatant injustices that had become so normal in society that nobody seemed to notice. We see these injustices outlined in Amos 2, verse 6 to 8. It says, they sell the innocent for silver and the needy for a pair of sandals. They trample on the heads of the poor as, uh, as on the dust of the ground and deny justice to the oppressed. Father and son use the same girl and so profane my holy name. They lie down beside every altar on garments taken in pledge in the house of their God and they drink wine taken as fines. These people, they were selling poor. They were selling somebody into slavery for a pair of sandals. They, They took financial advantage of the helpless. All of these acts of injustice, they were predicated upon one thing, which was the abuse of power. Power was being used to control, to manipulate, to destroy people. And Amos came out in force against these abuses of power, abuses that were allowing the elites of society to oppress the poor. It's so important for us to study and take to heart these words of Amos because it shows us that God cares about justice and God sees injustice and it breaks his heart. You know, Israel at this time was in a golden age. A man named Jeroboam II was on the throne. He was the king, he was the ruler. Israel had expanded its borders. And all of this influence and all of this power really was a result of the oppression of the poor. Yeah And it's, a, it's amazing. The, the country was a superpower. Everybody believed wrongly that this economic prosperity, that everything that was going on, it must be a sign of God's favor, right? It, it must be because God loves us so much and he's pouring out his blessing upon us. But Amos comes with a new message to these people and he showed that all their wealth and all their influence and all their power was a result of injustice. It was a result of discrimination and oppressing those who were, uh, who were op- oppressed at the time. He also aimed his accusation at Israel's elite. And they were trying to corrupt the legal system at the time. And they were trying to use it to their advantage to get what they wanted. It was a system that had been designed to provide justice for everybody, but it was being twisted to get them what they wanted. In fact, we see in Amos 5, verse 21 to 24, some incredibly hard-hitting scripture. God now speaking through Amos says, I hate, I despise your religious festivals. Your assemblies are a stench to me. Even though you bring me burnt offerings and grain offerings, I will not accept them. Though you bring choice fellowship offerings, I have no regard for them. Away with the noise of your songs. I will not listen to the music of your harps. But let justice roll on like a river, righteousness like a never failing stream. This is intense. Again, God is speaking and he's speaking to the empty worship of the Israelites He's saying, it's not enough just to lift up my name. You got to show justice to people. God turns a deaf ear to their worship. I mean, why is he doing this? Why is God turning this deaf ear? Why is he so upset with these religious festivals that are going on? One reason for all the songs, for all the gatherings, for all the praise, saying, God, you're great, for all the church services they were having, for all the time spent reading scripture. None of these were accompanied by acts of justice. And so the word of God thunders forth in Amos, as he says, let justice roll down like water and righteousness like an overflowing stream. We would do so well to apply this understanding of justice to our lives today. I'm so thankful that this does not represent us as a church, and may it never represent us as a church. We are not a church that will just attend on Sundays, that will go to our connect group, that will attend prayer morning, that will read our Bible, that will take communion on Fridays, that will spend time praying with God throughout the week, but we refuse to engage in social justice issues. This will not be us. We will be a church that will engage in justice issues. We will stand in the gap for those uh, that are oppressed, for those who are discriminated against. We will uphold that cause as a church. May we never make the method more important than the mission. Instead, let us uh, take to heart the words of God spoken through Amos that we will be a church that lets justice roll down like water and righteousness like an overflowing stream. And, you know, I really believe very quickly that there are three arenas where we let justice roll down like water. And I want to outline them for you quickly today. The first arena that we outwork social justice in is the personal arena. You know, there's a, a psychological phenomenon called the Stockholm syndrome. And this is something that happens to people who are kidnapped, yet they fall in love with their captor. It's, it's almost unexplainable. It doesn't make sense that somebody would, uh, w- would do that and they don't even want to be set free. And so often I think that we can experience Stockholm syndrome with sin in our lives Where we don't even recognize anymore that it is our captor, that we are held captive by sin. And in fact, we like it and we don't want to be set free from it. But as long as sin keeps us captive, we cannot be advocates of justice in our world. If we crave justice, it starts with us. In the words of Richard Foster, we cannot work for justice, but live injustice. We cannot work for peace and live war. We cannot work for racial inequality and live bigotry. We must stand against all forms of pride, envy, anger, sloth, greed, gluttony, and list within ourselves, and, and, and all of these sins within ourselves first and foremost. These things try to undermine the good that God would have us do in this world. We've got to seek spiritual formation in ourselves. we got to make sure that when we lower the bucket into our own well, what comes up is the fruit of the Spirit and not the rot of sin. We've got to personally pursue renewal. We've got to personally pursue Christ. We must arrange our lives in such a way that every single day we are taking steps in becoming more like Christ. That through spiritual disciplines, we place ourselves before God so that he can do his transforming work in us so that we can be formed into the image of Christ for the sake of Of others. And as we start to become more like Christ, we cannot help but engage in the arena of social justice and fight for reform and change. We cannot help but stand in the gap of the oppressed. We cannot help but pursue righteousness and justice and loving kindness and peace. It is the natural outworking of who we are as people who reflect Christ in our lives. Let's not allow our mouths to speak one thing, but our spirits to believe another. Let's not allow our actions to undermine our words. As Christians, let's align our acting and our speaking. When we say we love others, it propels us to the action of loving others. If we just have nice thoughts about loving others, but we haven't acted upon them, then we haven't taken it far enough and we are not yet looking like Christ as we should. Let us commit ourselves to honesty, integrity, and morality, and generosity and love towards all people. The second arena that we outwork justice is the social arena. And so often in life, we just pass one another like ships in the night. We go by uh, people and we don't even consider their well-being, let alone the state of their soul. But we've got to work for social justice in the social level of our lives. This, of course, begins on the level of our interpersonal relationships with those that we know that we're close with, the people we come into contact with on a regular basis. We must learn to live in peace with all people. But social justice, of course, extends into the larger context of culture, things like school groups, clubs, church functions, city councils, social media, into all of these networks. We must bring love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, self-control we got to bring the fruit of the Spirit into all these places. Our first response as Christians should be to feed the hungry. It should be to help the homeless. We must take the struggle of justice upon our shoulders and move it forward as people full of faith and trust in Christ. Let's look for those neglected because of social status. Let's look for those neglected because of race, because of gender. And let's fight for their welcome and their embrace into the social context and the sphere of life in which we find ourselves. But we got to go further than just that, because we also need to outwork justice in the third arena of our lives, which is the institutional arena of life. You know, when we read about Jesus cleansing the temple in, Jer- in Jerusalem in the book of Matthew, Matthew 21 We see that he is coming against an institutional structure that had become destructive, discriminatory, and oppressive. See, the religious leaders of the day in the temple were extorting the poor. They were uh, discriminating against uh, the poor people. See, what would happen is people would travel from far and wide to Jerusalem to present a sacrifice for their sin at the temple. And of course, they would bring the best that they could offer. They would find uh, the calf in their flock, who who was uh, the best example of a calf that they could bring. They would bring their very best to the temple, and they would present it to these religious leaders. And the religious leaders would take one look at that, and they would say, well, you're almost there. You're so close. It looks pretty good, but it's not quite good enough. We're sorry. Thankfully... For a small fee, we have this whole stable full of temple pre-approved calves. And for this small fee, uh, you can go ahead and use one of ours that we have already pre-chosen for you in order to sacrifice on behalf of your sin. They were basically taking advantage of these people and they were saying, hey, you need to buy this one, basically, give us all your money or go to hell. And people had no choice but to give them all their money and and do something, do what they could. And so this is why Jesus comes in. This type of institutional oppression, this is what caused Jesus to flip the tables and chase them out of the temple with a whip. It's pretty unbelievable, but this goes to show us that the heart of Christ is against injustice. See, justice and goodness, we believe as lead pastors, can be built into institutional structures. And as a church, we want to fight for this in our society. We see another amazing example of institutional reform in the Book of Acts. One of the first controversies of the early church was just after Pentecost when the widows of Greek Jews were being discriminated against in the handing out of the daily food. And the apostles solved this issue by pursuing institutional reform. See, they appointed deacons who the prerequisite was they were full of the Spirit. Again, personal transformation first, they were full of the spirit personally, but also the deacons who were appointed to enact reform towards these Greek widows, we read it in the the gospel, they all had Greek names. It's an amazing little detail that's so easy to read over. The disciples, the apostles, they appointed from the marginalized group leaders to be institutional representatives for the oppressed. It's powerful, again, shows the heart of, God's, of God towards justice in our world. Institutional oppression matters to God. As a church, our task is to work to build a society where it's easier to do good than it is to do evil, to, to, to have a society where, where, uh, where laws and systems provide justice for all. So where poverty is perpetuated, we change it. Where systems oppress, we work to make them more responsive to human need. And listen, I understand this is so complicated. I feel like it is. I look at the task at hand and I think, can it be done? Uh, there's so much involved in this. There's political ideologies, there's histories, uh, there's all kinds of things that seem to stand in our way. But just because it's a big task does not mean that we can sit back and be silent and roll over as a church. We cannot do that. As Christians, we must be the conscience to the social arenas in which we find ourselves. In the words of of Donald Bloch, he says, the gospel is a stick of dynamite in the social structure. Of course, we know the stick of dynamite is not there to destroy, but rather it is to demolish systems that are oppressive, oppressive ways of doing things and instead contribute to ones, to the building of ones that contribute to the flourishing of all human lives. And so now to end, a call to action. I titled this message, Our Cultural Mandate. And our cultural mandate is this, to seek justice for the oppressed, the marginalized, the discriminated against, the outcast, the forgotten, and the looked down upon. Whatever it takes, wherever it happens, and whoever we can love, we will rise to the occasion. Whatever, wherever, whoever. Whatever the need, wherever it is happening, and whoever it is happening to, we stand for justice and we act against oppression. I believe that there are a few very simple ways that we can immediately outwork this in our world and in our social networks where we find ourselves. And so here they are. This is a list that I have co-opted and contextualized from philosopher named Richard Foster. And here they are. First, we can open ourselves up to the possibility that God wants to use us in a significant way. All throughout history, we we see God using ordinary people to do extraordinary things. Just like Amos, he had no credentials, but that didn't stop him from speaking up on behalf of God for causes of justice in his world. Second, we can get the facts. We can become global citizens. We can become informed. For those of us who uh, have come from a different kind of life of privilege, we can take time to listen to people who are oppressed, to learn from them, not to offer our opinion, but to hear from them and their stories and learn how we can actually help. Third, we can become advocates for the powerless and the exploited. Again, Richard Foster says, and this is so hard hitting, he says, our comfortable dinner parties need to hear the whimpering, moaning songs from the slums. Our soft love needs the backbone of justice. Fourth, we can, we can support relief agencies in their good work, both financially and through volunteer efforts. Fifth, we can become involved politically. Whether you like it or not, Life is political, and if we refuse to influence public policy as Christians, someone else will. Sixth, we can use our literary skills in the cause of the poor. Things like newsletters, articles written, magazine articles, newspaper articles, movie scripts, television scripts, worship songs, social media posts, all written to uphold the cause of the oppressed. Seventh, we can take the work of prayer into the social arena. Truly, it is the only way that we can move forward. It is necessary to dismantling structures of injustice. It is necessary to pray and come against the enemy in in, in the spiritual realm. So just to reiterate, as a church, We believe that through the power of the Holy Spirit at work in us, we will see justice prevail in our world. We will not roll over and let injustice happen in our own backyard or around the world. We will stand. We will speak. We will shout when necessary. We will learn. We will seek. We will pray. We will support. We will help. We will dismantle systems of oppression in the personal, the social, and the institutional arenas. We will pursue Action, not apathy. Love, not hate. Solidarity, not ignorance. We will not stay silent. Why don't you go ahead and bow your head and close your eyes wherever you are. Just in closing this message, I want to pray quickly for two groups of people. First group of people that I want to pray for is anybody, and maybe you've never made a decision to make Jesus your Lord and Savior. This is your moment. I want you to know that He loves you so much. He cares about you. He's got a plan for you. He's got a purpose for your life, regardless of what your past might look like, whether or not you think that you're worthy enough, whether or not you think that you're good enough. Jesus loves you. He died for you to make a way forward for you where there was no other way. So in this moment, I'm going to ask you a simple question. And that is, do you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior? Do you want to make that choice to step into relationship with him and to live a life full of purpose, full of meaning, full of calling, a life full of hope, full of love, full of peace and full of freedom? If that's you, I am very quickly on the count of three, going to ask you to just make that decision in your heart. And there's a button that's going to come up in the chat window. I'm going to ask you to just click that button that says, I want to raise my hand. It's anonymous, nobody's gonna see it, but it's an act of faith. It says, God, as I click this, I am placing my trust in you. I am making this decision. And so right now, when I get to three, if that's you, why don't you click that button and make that decision in your heart? One, Jesus loves you. Two, he's got a plan for your life. Three, if that's you, why don't you go ahead and click that button right now? Make that decision. It's not too late. Jesus loves you. Now I'm gonna ask that if you click that button, that as I pray, you would just have a heart that says yes to Jesus. But I wanna say a prayer for you right now. Jesus, we thank you so much for every single person who made that decision today. We thank you so much for this being the best decision that they could make. And Father, I pray right now that as they are saying yes to you in their life, Father, would you just move in their midst? Father, I pray that they would know freedom like never before, that they would know hope and peace like never before. I thank you for the life that you have for them and that you're calling them to today. In your mighty name, I pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. And that's the best decision that you could ever make just one second, Pastor Brandon's going to come back and give you some more info. But we're so excited for you as a church. We really are. That's such a great decision. And just before we close, I want to pray for one more group of people again. So if, with every head bowed and every eye closed, I want to pray for anybody right now. And you are going to make a stand right now to uphold our cultural mandate as a church to act against injustice to act against oppression to act against discrimination in our world to to uphold the cause of those who might not be able to uphold it for themselves if you want to stand in the gap if you want to dismantle systems and institutions of oppression and and just work for justice in the name of Jesus. If that's you, why don't you stretch out a hand towards the screen right now? And I would hope and I would pray that everybody who is watching this would respond to this today. Injustice goes against the heart of Jesus. Racism is a sin. Let us do what we can do as a church to uphold the cause of justice in our world. Jesus, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that justice is at your heart. We thank you that the Bible is full of justice from the beginning to the end father let us as a church uphold this cultural mandate that you are calling us to Jesus not to sit idly by not to turn a blind eye but Jesus to get up to act to love you and love others through action through doing both in the personal arena in the social social arena and in the institutional arena that we find ourselves in in our lives father may we just be incredible examples of your love at work may we shine your light into every dark situation. May we speak against racism. May we speak against bigotry and these things that we see in our world. May we shine your light. May we speak of your love. May we remember your justice. Father, may we show others loving mercy. May we enact your peace and your wholeness in this world. We thank you for who you are. We love you, Jesus. In your mighty name we pray. And everybody said, amen.
0: Amen. Wow, what an incredible message. Thank you so much, Pastor Luke, for sharing that with us today. Um, I'm encouraged by your humility and uh, boldness to speak what God has laid on your heart during this season. And uh, uh, we're gonna continue to make a change as we move forward. If just a moment ago you made a decision to follow Jesus, we wanna encourage you to go to our website, slatechurch.com slash, actually, you know what? You can just go to slatechurch.com. And there's a connect card at the bottom of the screen there. We'd love for you to fill it out and check off, I wanna know more about Jesus. This is a decision that is often made in private, but it's meant to be lived out publicly. If you don't know what that means, or maybe you don't even have a Bible, you don't know what the next step of this journey of faith is. And even if you do know what the next step is, and you've made this decision, we just want to make, uh, we want to follow up with you and make sure that you have everything that you need on this new journey of faith. So head over to our website, fill that out. We'll have somebody follow up with you. It won't be long. We're not going to take a lot of your time. We want to make sure that you're set up for success on this new journey of faith. Again, if you haven't filled out a connect card before, please fill that out. We would love to connect with you. And if you've never um, been to something that we host called Next Steps, Next Steps is something that we've developed that essentially means um, allowing you to figure out what your next step is here at Slate Church. Maybe you've been coming for a while. Maybe this is the first time you've ever tuned into one of our services online. Maybe you were coming for a little bit when we were uh, in, in uh, you know in person, physically gathering, and now you've tuned in again digitally and you're wondering, how can I get involved in this season? or what is the next step of this church or whatever it else, whatever your questions are, Next Steps is an incredible way to learn what your next step could be. It's an incredible way to, to, uh, way to meet some of our leaders, hear some of our vision as a church and where we're headed and uh, have some of your questions asked. Next Steps runs immediately after the service you're watching, unless you're watching it on demand. And a link will actually be posted right now in the comment section. If you click that, it'll take you to a Zoom call. Don't worry. Uh, it, there's nothing awkward about it. We're not going to keep Be there too long. It's maximum 10 minutes long and uh, there's some leaders there that would would love to chat with you. I'm sure there's going to be a few other people jumping in with you and uh, we would love to have a conversation with you. All right, Uh, right after this, uh, there's some information for Slight Kids. We absolutely love our families during the season. Make sure families, you're still um, tuning into those uh, family calls. Uh, Every week there's family calls. If you don't know uh, that we have family calls, then maybe it means that you're not on the mailing list, email list, and that's a good reason to head over to our Connect Card and fill that out. But uh, make sure you're still tuning into those. I know for us and our family, we got busy there over the last few weeks and we've been forgetting to tune in ourselves. This is a reminder for anybody like us that is gonna start Tuning in again, that it's important for our kids to remain friends with their friends during the season. As much as we're missing people, the little kids in our lives are also missing their friends. So make sure we're tuning into that. All right, it's been a great Sunday. We love you, church. Let's keep fighting for justice in our world today. And we will see you this week at some point or next Sunday.
6: Kenzie,
1: how's it going? good, 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 good. Hi. Slate Kids. Say, Slate Kids is now. Slate Kids is now.